Hello and welcome to The First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that covers almost exclusively first issues to help onboard you and guide you through the muddy and murky waters of this comic book industry. With me, as always, are the Budget King. Hey. And Greg. Hello. And sadly, we're missing Caitlin. We miss you. Can you get like a voice memo of her for us to dip into the show right yeah, now? Sure. Yeah, sure. She's actually going to be back next week. She is? Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you go, S-? I said yes. Oh. Her, right. sabbat- her sabbatical is coming to an end, and oh. so she's coming back. I thought you were like, S-. like Oh, like a hissed at her? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> All you Caitlin fans out there, I did not hiss at her name. All the Kate heads. All the Kate heads. Um, today, we're going to be covering a couple doozies, a lot of comic book buzz about both of these books. Uh, the new Heavy Metal series on DC has kick-started this week, as did Wind, the new James Tinian book out on Boom. Boom. That is a following his uh, great acclaim he found with Something is Killing the Children. So much buzz on that Boom book that he wrote. So um, great anticipation for this one. Much higher pre-orders. A lot easier to find than Something is Killing the Children. I think, anyway. And a ton of uh, variants. A lot of variants, right. Gotta capitalize. Yeah. So, yeah, really fun books. Mm-hmm. It was a, a big week. Before we get into those, any comic book industry news you guys just want to chatter about? Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to chatter about this because it's... Um... It's uh, once again rearing its ugly head in our community. Yes. Uh, it has come to light that Cameron Stewart, who has worked on Batgirl and other DC books, uh, has been alleged that he has participated in a phenomenon in the um, scumbag community called grooming. <laughs> now, if you don't know what grooming is, it's kind of a weird thing to kind of explain. So here's my shakedown. Very easy. Grooming for dummies. Here's what it is. If you are an adult male or female really this is this is a genderless crime and you prey upon an underage and i hate using that word because if you're under the age of 18 you're a child so if you prey upon a child and kind of uh warp their mind and sculpt their well uh, their their will their will and their kind of perception of you into uh affection then you have groomed someone. Drake has been accused of grooming multiple women. Cameron Stewart has been uh, uh, alleged now with these tweets that have come out from from Twitter. That's where tweets happen. And then um, from the spill out of this, unfortunately, no, actually, no, not unfortunately, thankfully, uh, things about Warren Ellis have come out. Now Warren Ellis is a is a comic book legend. He's not immune to any of this behavior, but he is a legend. Yeah. And so that is, uh, in my opinion, a way heavier bomb than Cameron Stewart. I'm glad both have been yeah, kind of brought to the forefront here. But DC actually pulled one of the heavy metal books that Warren Ellis had written. So DC is not fucking around here. They saw this and they said, for whatever reason, I, I, don't, I don't know what DC executives were thinking, but they probably wanted to... Uh, you know, um, get out of the way of whatever allegations were coming down the pipe, and they said, "Fuck this book," and they pulled it. I love that. Like, I wonder what these contracts look like, to where the publishers can just be like, "Nope, you don't have a book anymore." Because, like, 
that would be really tough to do in other mediums to be like, no, we're ending the thing we're about to release with you. And you'd be like, no, my contract actually doesn't say that you can do that. There's probably some clause in there of just like, if you or your behavior in any way negatively affects the publishing company or revenue towards the publishing company, if so, facto, we have. And also, just because Warren Ellis wrote that doesn't mean he owns it. No, I, that's what I'm saying. There's like it. There's this like weird ownership thing that goes into it, and it's also easy for p- publishers to just like cancel a book. Yeah, so it's probably what. Yeah, you're right. It's way easier for comic books to be like, you don't own this. You're a contractor. It's fucking done. Yeah, you're done. Well, the, one of the crazy things to me is think about the short notice of a heavy metal book, which is like a highly anticipated series that is just kicking off, and I'm assuming those books were probably going to come out in the next month or so. Mm-hmm have maybe already been pre-ordered at this point. Um, and who knows how crucial or non-crucial they were to the main storyline of this series. But I feel like as a parent company, you got to do the right thing and say, nope, until this is clear, who cares if it leaves out a key puzzle piece? Right. Yeah, we can drop a note in the letters section to fill everyone in on what right. happened. Plenty of things you could do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, it's 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 disheartening and kind of um, inspiring in the same breath. It's disheartening that this kind of behavior still exists pretty prevalently. Is what I've been hearing from most tweets from other creators, and then how quickly the the community responded is the uplifting part about this. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like people in the community consumer and creator have had just about enough of this. Mm-hmm. And so they are more than willing to just um, eradicate any kind of um, ne'er-do-wells from it. Mm. So it, a sour point to get the episode off, but I would be remiss if we didn't mention it and talk about it. It is good to talk about. Another uh, weird sour point, I don't know if you saw this, but Valiant is going to not be bringing back a lot of their people that they furloughed. So it is not, they're not like going bankrupt or anything like that, but a lot of people working for Valiant are not going to be brought back into working for Valiant again. So does that mean like behind the scenes people like accountants and I don't know who exactly like, okay. oh, or if it was creators or not. Um, it, I didn't get that into the article, but the, one of the things that they were saying is that Valiant put a shit ton of eggs in their basket of bloodshot. That's kind of what I was thinking. And they, I mean, I don't know what kind of rights they own from it, but they had to expect, like with like Umbrella Academy or something like that, that the sales of their books would skyrocket, like it always does. But both with not the inability to buy comics when the movie was out and literally the worst release of a movie ever known to man just because of like it, you can't even see it in theaters. Like they really... I mean, it was a shaky ground anyway for, like, a superhero movie to come out with little buzz and stuff like that and have, like, B, B version of The Rock, known as Vin Diesel, uh, play your lead character. Voice of Groot. <laughs> Check your tone. You're right. Sorry. I am a big Vin Diesel fan. I've heard that he plays Magic the Gathering. Um, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, not, yeah, but people prefer The Rock. I'm not saying I do. Um Anyway, so sad for Valiant. I hope that they are able to sustain and recover 
done for. I was actually going to bring up like the another news like other cons are canceling, but it's just not even news anymore. Like uh, I, uh. I I bet there's if there's a con in 2020, like that will be news. I'm really happy we were able to go to C2E2 this year. <laughs> that was crazy. The last con. We snuck it, that in at the table. Think about, think about this. Like People there were like kind of dipping their toe in like, uh, we can't shake hands. No, I remember specifically Donny Cates had a little banner on his desk just like, hey, I, I'll hit your elbow, but I, we can't be shaking hands right now. Right. And no one was wearing masks. At oh, nobody was Comic-Con. wearing masks. Masks were like... So far, that was, you know. Unless you were dressed like Deadpool. <laughs> yes. Or if it was a part of your cosplay, then absolutely you had a mask on. Speaking of this, this is something I want to atone for. In, in, oh, everyone <laughs> fucking <laughs> take a seat. This never happens. Yeah. I Our think... first ever atonement segment starring Budget King. <laughs> Hold on, let me intro it. <laughs> oh. Atonement. Atone or apology. Atone is the right word, I think. Um, I may have in my life, or even on this podcast, said a discouraging word about furries. We No, you've said nice things about fursonas. Okay. Have I? Yeah. Okay. You've never... We had that discussion about sexuality and yes. furries came up, and you were just like, they're weird. I go, weird's relative. Yes. They're not hurting anyone. Okay. And then you agreed. I shouldn't have... Yes, I did agree. I shouldn't have said weird. Um. Wow, I think we've covered a lot of bases here for the news. <laughs> Thanks for letting me atone. <laughs> yeah. And that was atonement. So let's get the podcast started, right? That's a great idea. First on the pod today is going to be Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. You saw it in your shop. You bought it because why not? <laughs> it's called Death Metal, and it's got all your favorite stars. This is a encore to the Dark Knight's Metal series, obviously, um, and Batman Last Night on Earth. So they're kind of all reuniting and smashing all of the... Batman Who Laughs, dark multiverse things that you've read over the past year or two together. Um, and we're taking a look at the remnants of the Justice League and the last bit of humanity that's been trapped on this hellish landscape of what's left of our Earth in the 52 multiverses that exist among DC. And uh, what can Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman do about it? Before we get started, did you guys have fun reading this? I did. You thought it was too wordy. So, so I had fun reading this. I, I love when DC does this because it's just crazy enough. Yes. Where you can tell they're finally, finally having some fun. Yeah. Yes. The character design, flawless. The, so awesome. The story <laughs> was, was okay, meaning... The 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 two page spread where they tried to explain what the fuck where right. Wally tried to yeah. explain what was going on I wanted to blow my brains out <laughs> yeah. that shit was so convoluted but Here's, but on the whole 
I had a great time reading this book. I did too. My the one thing about that though is that it was so other world that it's like they obviously knew this isn't going to tie in anyway. And well, it not so. Unfortunately. Well, this is the DCU. Yes, the real DCU. They made a point of pointing that out in kind of a cheeky way too. So this is like for real, for real. So now this is back into. It. This is not Elseworld. This is not multiverse. This is for real quote-unquote, happening. But you can assume because Wally West is in it that the possibility to go back in time and undo things is on the table. So where is Batman now that he's also in this? Well, there's several Batmans there's, yeah. in this. But Multiverse Did, did you read the same book we did? <laughs> no, but Bruce Wayne is in this. Yes. Yes. So, like, wherever Bruce Wayne is doing, he also comes into this world? Mm, so we're getting a bit of a flash forward. Okay. And so they talk about this woman, Perpetua. Yes. Something happened in a previous comic book that we didn't cover where like two, like the source wall and like some other fucking made up word that they made (laughs) (laughs) collided and thus we're in this world. Okay. So now they're like- In its existence now. Every DC person out there now hearing me screaming, I know, I'm getting this wrong, and I'm so, so sorry. But I'm saying something positive about DC, so cut me a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the sort of convoluted stuff that I don't enjoy about these stories. Right. But this one seemed like to be very aware of itself, had fun with like the name of the comic book, and you know we're getting like thrash metal or like some of the uh, titles speed of, metal speed um, metal with all the flash characters yes yeah. give me that yeah so good so my thing though too was like i felt like if it's gonna be death metal that they needed to like play into that for me i wanted to be like okay if there's gonna be a speed metal like i want to feel like this is death metal so like where are my pentagrams where are my upside down crosses yeah like where is like my like corpse paint or like just like play into that a little bit of like nihilism, that kind of stuff. And I just don't think DC feels like they can go there unless it's Black Label. I agree to disagree <laughs> with that. I'm kind of in the same place too because obviously one of my favorite scenes in the comic, no surprise, is Wonder Woman melting down her invisible jet and making an invisible chainsaw out of the remaining yes, metal. Yes, okay, that's true. And yeah. slashing the bat who laughs in half. That was fucking amazing. Yes, it was incredible. <laughs> There's a lot of jaw-dropping moments in this comic book where you're just like, finally, DC is having some fun yes. with their established characters that they've had for over 75 goddamn years. It made me think, do I need to go back and reread some Scott Snyder things because I've been taking them too seriously? Like, this was written with such, like, ease and a little bit of, like, lightness to it Mm -hmm. that I'm like, maybe I've just been putting on it that it was, like, overly dark and overly serious leading up to this. But this book certainly felt different. Yeah. I I, I would agree. There was some, even though it's kind of like a heavier subject, not heavier, but, like, kind of a darker subject, there was some lightheartedness to it. And, like, for God's sake, we have a Tyrannosaurus Rex Batman. Oh my god! Which is so a first good. appearance. <laughs> <laughs> so this book automatically worth twenty thousand dollars. Oh, it, it, he that T 
T-Rex Batman is pr- one of the best forms of Batman ever. They make a great joke about his like small arms and whether or not he could throw a batarang and does that implicitly make him not Batman? And <laughs> to which the Batman goes, "Yes, it does. I am Batman." <laughs> no, I, I I think he even says like I'm actually working on it and they're proportional. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for the T-Rex Batman for anyone that hasn't read it yet, it's yeah. basically the T-Rex from the Batcave with Batman's consciousness downloaded into it. Yeah. Which is very clever. I thought that was actually very, 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 very clever. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think of uh, Baphomet? Oh, I, I thought it was a great character. Yeah, yeah. basically Aquaman's Batman uh, Legion person that hangs out with him. Because in this, in this universe that we're at now- They're all kind of paired up. All Batman are bad. Yeah, but- because they're being led by the bat who can't laugh, who is Bruce Wayne from a different universe. Now, if you're bleeding through your ears and nose right now, I get it. <laughs> I really do. But if you just release yourself to it, it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It was. I loved the just character design. That even if it had no words and I was just flipping through it, like it was just, it was just fun to see like the penguin in the background dressed up as Batman, right? Yes, and like oh Clayface with like little pointy ear clays pointing up, like that was great. I yeah, and I loved it. I guess so. Have you guys seen? There's like this beer that like all of the design are thrash metal, and then um no, I for, me. I forgot the name of the beer, but it's like you see it and then you're like, oh, like. I know thrash metal art and I know that it's different than like speed metal or other metal or doom metal or things like that. I just feel like if they're going to use these genres, they should be like, we, we know exactly what this type of metal is and why we're not just going to be tongue in cheek about it. You are a high connoisseur of metal music. Mm hmm. And I don't think most people would appreciate the nuance okay. the way you would. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, it, that, it, I guess if that I, was – here, and I'm not trying to be pretentious about it. I know it, no, say, it, I know it totally not, sounds like I am. But I think one out of 500 people could tell you the difference between death metal and speed metal. Okay. Yeah. But I, most Or pe- thrash or post-industrial. Or, or yeah. sludge. <laughs> most – you don't think most people would know like speed metal is a little bit more bro? No. In, like, no. Absolutely not. I didn't know that. Okay. That's cool. Okay. I thought <laughs> I thought cool. I thought they I thought Does they that were... seem a little pandering to you, Greg? Well, no, it's no, not... I mean No, I know I, I was saying a tone. A tone. <laughs> I'll tone this. I'll tone this. Next episode. <laughs> I was saying that like I thought they were trying to make a it would seem like a lot of people who are in DC. I know a ton of people that are in comics are also like really big metalheads. Yeah, the Venn diagram definitely overlaps. And so it would be like, oh, cool, like we're gonna have some shout outs or like we're gonna like that. Would doesn't seem like far fetched. And I think I think they're going pretty shallow with this. Very shallow with that. Which and I'm is fine. F- totally fine. It just was like I was looking for it and did not find it. To and be that's fair, fine. your greatest criticism of every book is not enough pentagrams. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> every book you read, you 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 set it down. You go needs more pentagrams. Yes, it's I, my pentagrams is your elves. Exactly correct. <laughs> every time you see a movie and you don't see a pentagram, you're like, well, this is fucking trash. Yep, fuck it. So if they would have referenced some death metal bands like oh, yeah. casually in it, or like had like homages to them mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like, and like we may if... get that. This is only the first issue of the series, but I also kept on thinking it was called black metal, and that even pissed me off even more. 
but then I had to be like, oh, it's death metal, so it's like lighter, I guess. I think isn't it called death metal because like it's supposedly the death of um, the multiverse? Oh, I thought it was because like, well, and someone dies in it. Well, and then Batman raises zombies from the dead. There's many death uh, <laughs> references in this book, but so uh, you know what. I've come full circle. Good job on the word death and good job on the word speed because it's all speed characters. <laughs> Do you remember when we covered uh, Batman Murder Machine when like Batman was like a tank? And we were all like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> Fucking DC's we at hit, it again. I was like, this should have been a layup. We all were like really mad at it. Um, what's the difference between the Bat Who Laughs and Cosmic Ghost Rider? <laughs> Essentially uh, kind of the same character. I think they're ba- both heralds from different universes. They both have skull, chain, leather paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. But the first appearance of Cosmic Ghost Rider goes for a shit ton. Because right. it's oh, on Marvel. Oh, that, that comparison well, is totally great. That's and, amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Let's talk about that you can buy a first appearance of Harley Quinn for sub 500 bucks, right? Yes. Yeah. But the first appearance of Miles Morales is selling for over a thousand dollars right now because it's hot, hot, hot. Who's the more popular, longer-standing character? Um. Well, I think going might, forward, probably Miles. It might be probably Miles. Miles yeah. Moving forward. So let's get back to death metal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the key things that we've left out is that Wally West, who um, gets trapped in some soup. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been souped. He walks to the bottom of a pool that's like a prison. Um, has the Doctor Manhattan logo on his forehead, mm-hmm. and they clearly reference a uh, blue, like universal energy that. Um, I think it ties into Doomsday Clock a little bit. It must, yeah, right, because they're gonna have the crossover at some point. Yeah. Well, I just think it's interesting that Doctor Manhattan and the Watchmen mythos is being brought into this at all, but it does make sense if we're saying moving forward they might try to clean up some timelines with this. That's an interesting thing to throw in there because there's definitely some weirdness with um, the Doctor Manhattan universe colliding with just DC superheroes. Well, and then you get at the in the last panel the the final form Batman. And he also uh, allegedly has a Dr. Manhattan symbol on top of his forehead. Yeah. Maybe he's always been that way. I doubt it. <laughs> but good spec. <laughs> what they're really doing is trying to make sense of how all the Justice League members can fly together. Oh, yeah, yeah. This has always been an issue that when you're on the run with everybody, Superman flies, but does Batman have to hop in a jet? Does Wonder Woman hop in her invisible jet? Is Flash running on the ground and you can't get him in the same panel or shot? I think they're really just for aesthetic purposes. You don't think? Trying to give them all flying powers. (laughs) And it's been building for this 30-year thing. DC, everyone can fly. How are we going to get them all in the sky? You don't think, like, have you ever seen, like, the parents that have the leashes? Like for their kids, they yes. just run. Over. You don't think Superman just has three leashes that he just is like, "Fine, guys, <laughs> come on, you hop on, Bruce." <laughs> Batman would be cool with having like a kid leash, <laughs> just like dangling tied to Superman. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you call it a harness, he'd be much more yeah. 
cool with it. Does Green Lantern grab everybody and kind of keep them in his little bubbles? That's what I assume happens. Green Lantern's just like form of bubble and like. Picks well, you guys are talking up. about like you've seen them fly together a bunch. I feel like it happens a decent amount in Justice League comics where they're all like soaring through the air, and I'm like, wait, not all these guys fly. Wait a tick. Yeah. I'll have to look for it. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you're reading a DC book, <laughs> really look hard at the panels. Batman's flying? What the hell? Um, Do we have any more to say about death metal? I no. don't think I do. Uh, yeah. I think we crushed it. Read it for fun. <laughs> don't get mad. Have fun reading your comic books. And death Put metal a smile on that face. Yeah. Why so serious? <laughs> Why? I, I did love that the kind of like doomsday button was a frowny face. Right. Yeah. Oh, that no. was pretty funny. Next up on the podcast, we've got Wind from Boom Studios, written by James Tinian. Um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that we're big James Tinian fans. He is he co- he comes out swinging with these first issues, and uh, we'll see if he's done it again. <laughs> this one stars a young man. I think one thing he does really well is look at. Uh, young characters who are finding themselves. And this book uh, starts with our lead, a character named Wind, who's a pointy-eared little elfin kid that has to hide those pointy ears. It seems that he is of a people who are imbued with a little bit of magic powers, but he's living within a kingdom wherein they're afraid of the outside world and people with those magical powers and pointy ears. So... He is hiding himself. The world's going on around him. And there's some love and romance happening alongside that tale. What did you guys think of Wind? I think what a lot of people are going to say about this book is that it is progressive in its love because it's um, gay characters, Yeah, a lot of them. And I love that it did more than just have a gay character, which is very rare. Right to, to see in comic books, like yep. you, you kind of just get one gay character, but you don't get like a bunch. And I think that James Tinian got either a Glad Award or a Glad nomination for his work with Mimetic. Um, and so he's not uh, new to the scene of um of LGBTQ writing, but like that to me sold me on this book. You when we before we started the episode you were wax poetic game mm-hmm. and you're like, I think people are going to be concerned that this is too much of a teen book. Yes. And I kind of turned my head and I was just like, I just assumed this was a teen book. Now, the only reason I said that, cause I like teen books. I think we might be in the rare group of people where it's like, if we're reading a book and we find out it's a teen book, we're totally fine with it. Like it, that doesn't, doesn't mm-hmm. change it or whatever. I think some people they're like, 
they go through this process and like, wait a minute, is this it, isn't it, for me. Is this the age appropriate? Am I reading something below my age appropriate? Like, I don't want to be. I I don't read kids books. Like, I read um, the death metal DC DC <laughs> shit. And, well, you gotta be high fucking level IQ if you want to read death metal. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, um, and so. I, that's the only thing is that like I think that I'm always kind of bouncing around being like is this a teen if it's a teen book I'm I'm probably more bought in and so I just like didn't know where it sat the artwork seems like um, playful and inviting that yeah I mean this is out on boom mm-hmm. they're historically known for their phenomenal teen books really in, uh, engrossing and encapsulating of but all kinds of people they often put those teen books on boom box. Sure. I mean, that's true, but every once in a while, one sneaks out, you know, past curfew, gets on the boom. <laughs> I, went, while reading this, from the get-go, I was just like, this is a team book. I, I, I it, it didn't feel like, and that's fine, like, it was still a great read and, like, an interesting, complex story. It didn't seem like it was pandering specifically to teens, but it just, it felt very much in the realm of, of teen book. And I don't know if that was the art that accompanied the story or just like the, the the subject matter of the story itself. You've got three people in this story that seem like they're coming of age and all live in extremely different scenarios, right? You've got a, a character that's kind of a representative of a minority or, a, you know, an outsider, um, a person who is blue-collar, and then someone in royalty, and they're all battling with coming of age in that different role, right? So, have like slapped up the side of the face with the sort of thing you would see in teen fiction. But at the same time, I think I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking this is fresh off the heels of Something Is Killing the Children, which was like a hard hitting book with like kids being torn apart in it. So I'm also thinking that. James Tinian in my head while I'm reading this stuff, which also had teens in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's definitely not something I would give a 14-year-old, right? Yeah, that's a good point. So who knows where this one goes? The other thing about it is, like, I think sometimes you might assume that a YA book or a teen book wouldn't do progressive things for the medium. I have not. I read very few comic books that completely switch characters midway through and then just end the book up on the whole set of new characters that they entered without doing some type of transition and it worked beautifully Mm -hmm. it was amazing and you don't even like really realize like where you're at with that that's a pretty complicated thing to do for a it's it's a mature thing to do in a comic book i would say yeah you're following wind wind takes a lunch break and he goes gazing because he he likes seeing this dude run with his shirt off and then you go, the whole rest of the book is dude with his shirt off story. And you don't even go back. Normally people would be like, and Wind is like doing this, so check him out in the next book. We, yep. don't, we don't even know what Wind is doing now. Like now it's just this other guy's book. Right. We assume Wind is coming back because the name, the book is named after him. Right, yeah. I loved the character design of the Scarred Man or whatever they call him. The bandage man. Yeah, the bandage man. There's a guy who's like head to toe wrapped in bandages. And you're not quite sure if he's a good guy, a bad guy, but he's got the ear of the king of this village. 
and it seems that he maybe saw wind from like miles away. So there's something mystical and magical about that guy, and the fact that we can't see his face um, adds to that quite a bit. Well, I mean, I, there were so many tiny things. Like I had to go back and read. There's a scene where a father is showing his son, like he's talking to him about growing up, and then he cuts like a radish mm-hmm. out from like a shrub. But you can see that the it's very like cute. And then when they cut it, it's like horrified, and the that character that son cries, and it's like they kind of just gloss over that whole. And it's, you're like, wait a minute, there's living vegetables in this world too. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That's part of the outside world that they're trying to keep out. That I think we we can take it that several kingdoms have been taken over or integrated with these like otherworldly sort of characters or we view them as otherworldly right in this world they're just like it's normal that a a radish or a carrot would get up and walk around that we're led to believe that there's like hey they're cute now but things get fucked up once these cute vegetables come of age (laughs) yeah the the claim of this village is it's the last human stronghold yeah in the in the land okay so they're they've they've walled themselves off there's no magic here. There's no elves, or I think they call them like weird folk or weird people or something. Yeah. Wherein, wind is one of them. He has the pointy ears. He that we assume he has some kind of magical. He's like almost a werewolf of a, sorts. So we see that transformation in in the beginning of the book. He's having a dream, and he transforms into this this beast, this pretty kick ass beast. The the transformation scene that was drawn was fucking wild. Yeah. I loved when his jaw transformed. He was just like spitting out teeth and stuff. Like that was kick ass to me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if he has like some kind of werewolf transformation ability or if he's like elven or has like magical powers or whatever. Just weird puberty dreams. Yeah. We've all had those dreams <laughs> where we transform into a dog and shit happens. But I think I think <laughs> I gotta know. Oh, tune in next time. We can gather that if if wind is found out to be, like they find out that he is like this special weird person, he will be killed. Much like the cute radish. Which is why the cinnabon lady, who works in the in the bar, who has hair that looks like a cinnamon roll, is trying to protect him. Yeah, which I think is so impressive to have such a simple seeming story and narrative. But again, like all the things we've talked about are hyper-complex themes. And it read effortlessly. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh. But yeah. but I mean, we're probably going to get into like classism and bigotry and acceptance and love and coming of age, all these things. Yeah. In this, in this story that's like a breeze to read. Proving to your dumbass gardener dad that I don't have to do it your way, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I want to keep those cute radishes. I don't care that it's Father's Day. Also, 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 the dad and, and the son have this moment where the dad's like, I know you're in love with this guy. It doesn't give a shit that he's gay. He's just like, you can't be, you're going to get in trouble if you mess around with royalty. Not, you're going to get in trouble if you mess around with a dude. Well, Which might... is like such a refreshing oh, thing of just it. like, I'm your father, I accept you. He's going to get hurt if you if you mess with this well, guy. Well, it might be like white trees, by uh, Chip Zdarsky, mm-hmm. where it's like, it is this fantasy world, but in this fantasy world, gay is a norm. It's not like our world. Yeah. Where, like, it's, it's, people think about it. They don't. It's, 
gay is just part of being who you are there if you want to do it. Um, and that I like that kind of right that that book introduced me to that concept as a as like a writing tool, and maybe that's what is happening here too. Which is oof, what a world! I would love to live <laughs> in that where we don't obsess over sexuality. You just don't think about it. You just let people be whoever they want to be. Someday, yeah. There was a lot of great things about this book that I was. There was little wrong with this book for me. Was there any wrong? I can't think of anything. Okay, the first like eight pages felt like. Oh my god! <laughs> well, it, it it felt like a just like. I was like, what book am I reading? Like, I, I just mm-hmm. I was not getting it really quickly. Uh-huh. And it's like, once I finished it, I was like, I know what I got. But, like, in it, I just couldn't. I was, like, waffling in between, like, what is this? Are you talking about the four pages where he's just trying to wake up and get dressed and he's having, like, this long-winded conversation with some woman in his room? Right, yeah, that, those would be included in the first thing. I was just like, am I good? Is this the whole comic? Is this this kid in his bedroom? <laughs> Well, there's a little bit of world building too, where they're just showing the kingdom or village is called Pipe Town, and everything's like plumbing based. Which I hate that level in Mario, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like they shoot up food to people from yeah, like the from kitchen the water, yeah. straight to their table with like water power below it. Which I hope it's not like sewage water. Oh, you would hope not. <laughs> oh, my eggs stink. They smell like my shit. It is my shit. It's all one big circle of life. Welcome to Pipe Town. <laughs> so there's also like drunk old crotchety guys at the top of this too, which again uh, makes it seem like it's it could be a more mature thing yeah. despite the age of the characters Actually, and don't, the whimsical I don't, style. I don't think this is a teen book at all. I don't think so either. Yeah. This book may not be like labeled teen, but it definitely leans teen. I think you're just saying that because of the art style, which I, is why I said it. It's so teen that Cameron Stewart is like in its DMs. That's how fucking teen this book is. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> and that better make the fucking episode because that was a sick ass burn. That was a sick ass burn. I don't care if it's a teen book. I'm sure there are people who do care. Teens. I think about it. This is how, this is how cool James Tinian is. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying we need to applaud teens in in this day and age. Uh, all the K-pop stands and the TikTokers really gave it to Trump this weekend by buying all the tickets to the rally and then refunding them. That was pretty funny. That was the the sickest troll I've ever seen. And finally, they found a way to harness the most renewable resource, which is the vindictiveness <laughs> of teenagers. <laughs> There might be other people who, like, sew up their own ass about their book and, like, it has to be, like, whatever. And I could see as a marketer being like, hey, you didn't really clarify if this is teen or not, and that's not going to be great for your market. <laughs> for Greg Lichtai of First Issue Club who wants to have But James Dinian's like, cool, I don't care. Yeah, fine. I hope they'll figure it out if yeah. it's not or not. And I like that. I mean, that's, I don't know. I think it just speaks to the talent of James Dinian. I mean, Who's Killing the Children and Wind are two completely different fucking books. Like, and they're written by the same guy, which is insane to me. That he has just that ability to... Oh, yeah, he's a monster. He's so good. To go into different realms like that. It's wild. He's the... Uh, the fourth Batman. He, yes, I was going to say Batman. I was going to say he's the fourth person in his family named uh, James Tinian, though. That's how that works. Got a legacy to carry Or the third, here. right? Or the fourth, fourth, yeah. Yeah. 
Much like COVID nineteen is the nineteenth person. The ninth person yeah. Do you guys respect people when they have like a a number behind their name? No, I could. Yeah, you can change your name. All you gotta do is have a son. Big whoop. <laughs> Big fucking deal. Two people do it all the time. I'm gonna name if I have a daughter. I'm gonna name her Greg Junior. <laughs> Junior. Yeah. Okay. I just I don't have enough of those people in my life that have like superlatives. Is that how that goes? It has to go Junior and then the first, second, third, blah blah blah. Yeah. Could I be Mike Senior even without having a kid? <laughs> you would. You would be if you. I'm living. Junior. I'm living proof. You can just na- change your name at any time. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, Budget King. Do you think it's demeaning if people have like, let's say, I was a Greg Junior, or like you were a, a Budget King Junior? <laughs> junior. Yeah. Would you feel like kind of jilted because like Junior has that kind of connotation of just like mini or small? I'll never live up to you, Dad. Or would you? Be... I'll never become big. <laughs> but this never makes the podcast. When we make fun of an author's name. We went on a big thing on Kieran for a while that we didn't put in there. Uh, but let's keep going with this. Uh, do you think that people get mad that the juniors when they don't call him Junior? So like, if I was Budget King Junior, I'd be like, you forgot the Junior. <laughs> It depends on how they feel about the junior, I guess. <laughs> it's not like you earned it like it's a doctorate. Or like you've been knighted. Well, think about it. Nobody says Carl. It's always Carl Jr. That's a fucking restaurant, <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, it's like a proper noun. Hey, you guys want to go to Carl? What the fuck is that? What is yeah, Carl? That makes me mad just thinking about calling it Carl. So Because I... the restaurant's name is <laughs> Carl Jr. The person... Isn't it Carl's Jr.? That's true. It's possessive. Yeah. So Ooh. it's someone's toddler that's running the restaurant. <laughs> Named just Junior. I make bogos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Junior. Who's that? Oh, it's Carl's Junior. It's just Junior. I think it's an honor. How would you feel if, you know, your brother had your father's name and you were just like, Ted? That it's like... <laughs> Oh, James Tinian the Fourth, and then Ted. <laughs> every time you see his name, I every time I see his name, I assume he's knighted. <laughs> it seems so regal. He definitely has a crest, Sir James Tinian. Yes. Do you guys have a crest? Do you guys have a family crest? I didn't even know that was a thing. My mother's side question. of the family does. So they have like you have like pictures that represent your family. Yeah. My crazy great uncle made one for us. There you go. <laughs> and all the imagery is made up. My mother is a Doherty, which is a very, oh, she's a Doherty, a very Doherty. popular Irish name. Um, what do you remember? What's on so the crest? It makes sense that there would be a crest. Is there a snake for it? Now I think there's like a lion mm. in one of the tiles. Is there a clover somewhere represented? Yeah. Or? Don't try to log into any of my accounts. You're just like, oh, I know Mike D's. I know his password now. <laughs> his mom's maiden name. Doherty rules. <laughs> One <laughs> asterisk. So, as a person that has like a crest, do you get offended when it's like the 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 like X's and it's like it'll say like the city like NY something something or like there's like there might be like four pictures or four letters. And what a thing. dumb question. <laughs> well, I do believe that was wind. Yeah, we've done it again. We fucking rocked that review. Yeah, I would. I give our review of wind five stars. Yeah. The Wind, or Wind, best teen book I've read this week. And best book. <laughs> sure. We don't do enough five-star pitches anymore. We need to start doing it at the end of the episode. Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Give them to us on whatever app you choose. 
specifically iTunes would be the best. But anywhere else you vote for stars, or like stars is like the rating, give us the maximum amount of stars you can give things. I will say if you listen to us on Stitcher, there are easier platforms to listen to us on. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Have you ever Stitcher used bad? Stitcher? Uh-uh. Yeah, oh, it's, the it's... app is like rough. Right. Sorry about it that, Stitcher people. It is tough. I wish we could change it for everybody. However, Spotify can. is amazing. Spotify's great. As I, soon as I we, use the podcast app. We switched to Spotify maybe or added, or Spotify. added Spotify maybe three or four months ago. And immediately people started moving over there. I moved over. Whoa, what? Mm -hmm. And this is intuitive to anybody that's been listening on Spotify for a long time. But like you would think it wouldn't remember your play point because it's like it doesn't do that on music. You don't like when you go to a new album or an album you listen to. It's not like, oh, you were previously listening here on the album. Mm -hmm. But they were smart enough to know that like podcasts need to do that. Yep. So, well, Spotify, good job. Yeah. You get five stars, Spotify. Good job by you. <laughs> Tiffies. That's what they call them. What? They don't do stars. They do Tiffies. Oh, I see if you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a joke. It's like just a... <laughs> You're right. It's not a joke. <laughs> Mike D hit him with the outro. Like a button for that? <laughs> well, we can't say the same one anymore. What do you mean? Why? Uh, I think it says recorded in KCR Studios. Currently not recorded in KCR Studios. We'll just mean. caveat with that, and then I'm going to play the thing. Should we name this studio so we can say that? Oh, yeah. The Moon. By Cheek Village. On The Moon Studios. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Can we vote at least? No, we've been. me and Greg have been saying recording from The Moon on Patreon. Okay. Ever since we started Patreon. That's true. The moon it is. It is your house too. Yeah. I get to name it. We can ask your wife. There's a silver surfer skateboard above us. That could inspire something. Silver Studios. No, I like the moon. I'll start getting you some moon artwork. Okay. I'll get it commissioned from our furry friend. I have a um You want to be fucking poster. a moon? Do, do I want to be fucking the moon? Is that what you said? A moon. A moon. Just, oh, any moon. Which is also code word for butts. So Titus, I guess I'll just go crack yeah. off one there. Mm-hmm. Okay, see you later. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>